Hello and welcome to the first episode on my new podcast feed, The Advantage Sports Gambling Podcast. I am your host, Michael Fiddle. Today is Monday, September 18th, and on today's show, we're going to go through the Week 3 DFS board and discuss the best spend-up options on the slate. But before we get too knee-deep into those weeds, I would like to take a quick second and reintroduce myself in case there are any new listeners joining for the first episode of the new pod. Now, I say first episode of the new pod because I would imagine most people listening to the show are transitioning with me from my last show. I have hosted hundreds of podcast episodes before. However, I am embarking on a new journey and taking a new autonomous start to this gambling content world, starting up my own podcast feed, which you find yourself here listening to today. So thank you for joining me. Definitely means a lot to me. If you are someone who's transitioned with me from my last show, that means like the biggest world to me. That means you really value my content. And in return, I value you too. So for any of the newer listeners, my name is Michael Fiddle. I am a NFL and NBA handicapper for the last 12 years. I have never had a losing season and if you stick around and start to pick up on the tricks of what I'm talking about, which is revolves around obtaining closing line value, understanding relevant key numbers, looking at betting splits, finding trends like reverse line movement, playing into certain betting systems, you will see how I've broken the codes to be a successful high-level gambler. And this also applies to the DFS side of the gaming and gambling space. When I started playing DFS probably 14 years ago as a freshman in college, this was when DFS was first really starting, and with that meant there weren't optimizers all over the internet being able to give any Joe Schmo an optimal lineup for them to copy and paste into a contest. So I had a massive edge on the early DFS landscape because I understood and created a formula to try and map out these stack ratios, how to balance rosters and target multiple entry contests, so on and so forth, how to balance for a cash game versus a GPP game, and I made a killing in the DFS space. So whether or not you are listening for gambling purposes or DFS purposes, let me assure you, you are in great hands by listening to The Advantage. So Make sure you rate, review, subscribe. Make sure you drop a five-star and a rating. Make sure you find me on all the other social platforms. You could find me on x.com. I am at FiddlesPicks. You could find me on Substack, where I run a free gambling newsletter, also called the FiddlePicks Substack, where I send out three emails every week, breaking down the gambling market, giving best bets, DFS advice, and every single week I have a live giveaway running right now. Honestly, this is probably the least exciting giveaway we've done yet, is a free Desmond Ritter rookie card. Last week was Olave. Before that was Jamar Chase. We got some other high-level superstars coming up. You are not only entered to win when you sign up, but there are ways to re-enter the giveaways every single week as a subscriber. So make sure you sign up for the fiddlepicks.substack.com newsletter. Make sure you follow me on x.com. And also... Get ready for some YouTube lives to start coming to the Fiddlepicks YouTube channel. That is going to start tomorrow, Tuesday, September 19th, where I'm going to break down the gambling slate so far in a live show. So if you want to come join, ask questions, you're probably going to be listening to this very podcast even after that live show is done. So I'll shut up about that. The reason why I'm doing 
the DFS show today. Normally, I do that slate breakdown in conjunction with the high spend options. But the reason why I'm splitting the shows today is because I know that this content because we're targeting the Sunday DFS lineup where the prices are not going to change. This content will last throughout the week. And because it is my first episode, I need to submit it for approval to all the podcast networks, and I need to send in a show that might take a few days to get posted. So I don't want to talk about what's happening in the lines currently. I'll do that on the live stream tomorrow. And then in future episodes, when this can go up 20 minutes after I record, I will be breaking down current lines. We will save that and skip that for today. So let's just jump right into it and go through the DFS board. Whenever I do these things, whenever I attack the high spend options, what I do is I go through every position on the board, make either a top five at each position cutoff, or discuss everyone priced over $7,000. We are correlating gambling angles with the DFS space. It helps a ton to not only understand the stack ratios and how to do multiple entry lineups, but also to understand what's happening in the totals market, what's happening in the spreads market, what's happening in the player props to know which angles that we target for these games. So let's start with the quarterback. The top of the board is my guy, Patrick Mahomes. Nick Knack, Patty Wag, give me Patrick Mahomes. Playing home against the Chicago Bears, that makes Mahomes an instant, very viable option for a cash game DFS tournament. The Chiefs have been struggling to put up a lot of points. They had 20 in the loss against the Lions in week one. They had like 13 in the win against the Jaguars week two. That's very un-Chiefs-like. Look for a statement win at home in Arrowhead against a struggling Bears team. So for that reason, I expect Mahomes to lay the hammer down on the Bears. And I think he makes for a great cash game quarterback. Josh Allen comes in next, 8,100. He's on the road at the 2-0 Commanders. The Bills looked amazing last week against the Raiders at home. I do, however, fear a little bit because the Washington defense is particularly strong for a, like, that is their strength as a team. We'll see if they get Chase Young back in this game. However, they also run the ball a ton. So Choosing a quarterback who's going to be on the road against a good defense with a team that runs a lot just limits the upside that Allen could deliver. So I don't love Josh Allen as much in this spot, especially when we're comparing him $200 price difference to a guy like Mahomes. Lamar Jackson comes in third, 7700 And Lamar might look like one of the most tantalizing players in the NFL through two weeks. I mean, he was lights out this week against the Bengals playing with a ton of injuries all around him and still looking like a superhero that he is. So this week at home against the Colts, let's see if the Colts even have Richardson playing. If the Colts have Richardson active, then I'm less likely to play Lamar because that means, like I just mentioned about the Washington Commanders, the Colts are going to be a very run-heavy team, which is going to limit the amount of time of possession and opportunity that Lamar Jackson has. However, if he's going against Gardner Minshew and he's more pocket quarterback, then look for Baltimore defense to be outstanding. Look for Baltimore defense to be a great option to spend on. And look for Lamar to be a nice way to play into the fact the uh, Ravens might have 35, 40 minutes time of possession in this game. Justin Herbert comes in at the fourth highest priced option, 7500 The Chargers are reeling. Let's see if they get Eckler back. If they get Eckler back, that means I would like Herbert more. This is the highest total on the board, now at 54 and a half. 
This is actually the highest total that we've seen all season so far and will remain that for a pretty lengthy amount of time. The Vikings are trash on defense. The Chargers, even though they have a defensive head coach, Brandon Staley, are trash on defense. They are playing in the Dome in Minnesota, so there should be no weather impacts. And both of these teams like to air out the rock. So I expect the uh, football, the pill, to be thrown around quite a bit. I expect Cousins and Herbert to both put up good games. At 7,500, it is a viable option considering how bad the Minnesota secondary is and how much the Chargers need a win. But I would have to then think, would I just rather play Kirk Cousins at $600 less? We have not seen Herbert start to run as much as he did in his first two years in the league. When last year, he took a rib shot in week two and was kind of dinged up the whole season. He was also missing a lot of his pieces, so he was often looking to the flats. This year, Herbert's starting to air the ball downfield more, and he should be healthier. Does that mean Justin Herbert starts to scramble a little bit? If you start to get the Herbert that's moving out of the pocket, it's just a tad, that's going to elevate his performance so much higher than Kirk Cousins. So I think between those two, I would lean towards the upside of Herbert. But again, Cousins finds himself not going to be totally discussed because he's not $7,000 yet, but he is just underneath that threshold. We also have two more names to talk about in the quarterback landscape. Justin Fields playing at Kansas City. You know, I talked up highly about Mahomes. I think you could actually say the same about Fields. This might be a little bit of a buy low on Fields considering how bad he's been through the first two weeks, but now he might be playing in Arrowhead where he's down a lot and having a passing game script the whole game. He knows he's going to have to put up a lot of points. So if the Bears stand any chance, it probably comes on the heels of at least a 25-point uh, performance for Justin Fields. This spread opened at Bears plus 11.5. I think it's all the way out to plus 12.5 or 13 at various places. So again, these Bears, now it's 13.5 at FanDuel. Wow, uh, untouchable from a betting perspective. But you have to think, for a Bears quarterback who wants to throw and put up volume stats, if you're down two touchdowns very early in the game, that's going to lead to some points and some yards. Tua Tagovailoa comes in, I hope I pronounced that right, at $7,000. He is the last quarterback we will discuss in the high-spend slate. He is at home against Denver. Now, Denver historically has a good defense. However, we will see if Vic Fangio, the defensive coordinator for the Dolphins this year, can help better prepare Tua because Fangio was recently the head coach of the Denver Broncos before Sean Payton, before the disaster season that was Nathaniel Hackett. It was Vic Fangio just about a year and a half, two years ago, coaching this team, and therefore he has familiarity with a lot of the core players and the structure of this defense. Uh, that It means he might help Tua prepare and be aware of what he's going to see. However, the reason to be concerned about Miami, and even though they've looked absolutely incredible, is because of the travel schedule that the team has faced the last few weeks. And now they go back home and they face a reeling Denver Broncos who are now 0-2 after losing two home games. The Miami Dolphins are 2-0 after winning week one in L.A., 
then coming back to Miami to practice for the week, and then going up to the Northeast for an away game in Foxborough against the Patriots. So that was a brutal travel split for the Dolphins. I'm really impressed that they came away 2-0, but I do fear a little bit of a trap spot going against a good defense that's also 0-2 and now on its first road game. The Broncos are going to be incredibly desperate, and my fear is that it could lead to a slightly tired-looking performance from the Miami Dolphins. Let's go over to the running back position. Austin Eckler, the highest price option on the classic slate, 8500 We do this high spend options early in the week because we know who's going to be healthy and we know where we could put our money that's going to be safe because this guy's going to play and he's going to be a heavy part of the game script. Now, Austin Eckler coming off injury cannot justify, even in a 54.5 point game, cannot justify me plugging into him into the lineup. I do not think he's going to re-enter and immediately get his 20 to 25 touches. He will be closer to 12 to 16 touches in this game. We'll get a more relevant Joshua Kelly again, and therefore it's just tough to spend up on Eckler. It's even tough to take the value option of Kelly. If Eckler is playing, I don't think he could be played in a DFS lineup. Tony Pollard is the second option. Now, I love Tony Pollard this week. He is at the Arizona Cardinals. We call the Arizona Cardinals here on the Vantage the Chattanooga Community College because it seems like they are trying to lose games. I mean, have you seen what the Commanders and then the Giants did to them? Like, they didn't even look that bad, the Cardinals, and then they just gave the game away. Dallas is a whole nother level. I expect Dallas' defense to be roaring. I expect Dallas' offense to be humming. And I expect that to result in Tony Pollard getting a lot of not only groundwork, but also passing game work. He's got touchdowns, I think, in every game so far. Did he have a touchdown in week two? Um, No touchdown in week two, but he did have a two-point conversion. So I knew I saw him get into the end zone, and it was on a two-point conversion. Nick Chubb. Let's have like a 10-second moment of silence for Nick Chubb right now. That injury was gruesome that just happened on Monday Night Football. I'm recording this within an hour of that game ending. I personally have Chubb in my season-long fantasy team. Rest in peace to that team. But more importantly, you just fucking hate to see a guy take a knee shot like that. His knee was like twisted out of place when he had a guy on his back. It looks like he either broke his leg severely or tore every single ligament in his knee. So let's just skip Nick Chubb. We're obviously not playing him. The DFS board already has him listed out for next week. I suspect this to be a massive, lengthy, potential season, likely season injury. Rest up, Chubb. Uh, We love you. Brian Robinson? Oh, no, it's B. John Robinson. I know Brian Robinson's been killing it this year. That's why I was so shocked to see him come in this high on the board. No, not yet, Brian Robinson. Maybe in due time. But B. John Robinson comes in at 7,800. He's playing in the Dome in Detroit. So, again, this is another place where I really like B. John. The Falcons are such a ground-and-pound team. The Lions, on the other hand, especially last year, and if you're working off last season's prior still, you're going to have to start refocusing your numbers But the Lions team was atrocious against the run last season. They do have generally the same team, Hutchinson and those guys. Those guys have gotten better, but I don't know if they're a great stout run defense yet. Bijan is an absolute force in this Atlanta offense. He's not only taken like 60% of the snaps from the running back position, 
when he's not in a running back position and when he's in the red zone, he's literally out wide as a wide receiver. So, and he's getting tons of targets too. And he's getting red zone opportunities even from those wide receiver looks. So Bijan is becoming a little bit of a cheat code in fantasy for those reasons. And playing in the dome in Detroit is a situation that I really like. We're also seeing sharp action start to come in on the Atlanta Falcons. Line opened at 4.5. And I think it's now 3.5 universally. Derek Henry is playing at Cleveland. Cleveland and the Tennessee Titans, both really stout run defenses. You'd have to check on Henry's snap count versus Tajay Spears, because in week one, Tajay Spears out-snapped him. Now, that certainly wasn't the case. He had 25 carries, four targets, so it looked like King Henry and King Volume was back this week. So maybe you can play into Henry a little bit. He's still at that 7,400. The only thing that makes this difficult is the matchup situation against the Cleveland Brown going up against a defensive line that has Miles Garrett and Darius Smith. That's a little bit scary, but when you're King Henry, everyone's actually scared of you. That is the running backs that are high spend options. One, two, three, four, five. We only discussed five of them. I will get into the other ones later on the week because Etienne and Aaron Jones are both also questionable. I was going to say since we did five names, but two of them are likely out injured, I'd go a few more. But the next two are injured as well. So we'll get into the Ramondre, Jameer Gibbs, James Cook, James Conner on Thursday's episode where we go through the value options on this board. Going to the wide receiver position, the first player to come in this season over the $9,000 threshold you know who he is. It's Jettas. It's Justin Jefferson, 9,300 in a dream matchup and probably a core four in any cash game contest this week against the Chargers at home. Again, we already said that this game has a 54.5 in the totals. It actually opened at 50 and just took a massive move to the over, went up all the way to 54 and a half, kind of unbettable for, for right now. Uh, we're also seeing the Vikings start to be the sharp side. They opened as a one-point dog. They're not. At, they're now either a one or one-and-a-half point favorite. So that line has swung through the zero, and we are expecting the Vikings to come out and take one this week in a high-scoring game, and the only way to do that is Justin Jefferson. He seems like at least an 100-yard lock and always a viable option to get 150 and a touchdown, 200 yards. The other person who could always get 200 yards is Tyreek Hill, If you aren't scared of that Miami situation that I just laid out with Tua, then Tyreek makes for an amazing option. He also crosses the $9,000 threshold for the first time this season. Um, Justin Jefferson and Tyreek Hill now become the first two players priced at $9,000 this year. I would rather Jefferson, I would rather even stacking Jefferson with Cousins than going Tua and Hill simply because I'm personally nervous of it's a trap game situation. I'll check in with the gambling market and the indicators throughout the week, but it just feels fishy to me. That one feels a little bit fishy. Uh, Stefan Diggs comes in 8,100. He's on the road with Josh Allen against those commanders. The amount of run heaviness that the commanders might be and the actual stoutness of this defense does scare me off Diggs a little bit. I've actually played Diggs in weeks one and two. And uh, week one, he was an absolute monster. Week two, not so much. So he's actually one of the safest, steadiest receivers going against opponent ranked 24th on the defensive end. If you're fading my advice and playing Josh Allen, then I'm totally fine with a Diggs stack. But I'm not sure if Diggs is the name I'm going in a high spend if it's not for a stack correlation. 
Amon Ra St. Brown comes in at 7,900. Now, Amon Ra was dinged up and missed a good chunk of week two's game. He would finish the game and play, come back in. You could see him theragunning his calf on the sidelines. Amon Ra and, Saint, and Joe Burrow were both visibly using the theragun this weekend. Um, let's wait on some injury reports and make sure he's practicing in full. He did get reinserted into the lineup and then had an awesome, like, end around run on like the first play he was back. So I do think Amonra could be a viable option. We just need to make sure he's completely healthy. But if he is, that at home Detroit matchup against the Atlanta Falcons might be a tasty one. The only reason to be concerned would be the amount of run game that the Falcons are going to do on the other end. CD Lamb comes in at 7,700. This man was cooking last weekend. Who did they, they just played the Jets? Dude, CD was saucing up Sauce Gardner. And CD's little first down celebration is completely swaggy. Uh, I love CD Lamb this week. Going against the Arizona Cardinals, I have nothing bad to say about him. I could envision him being used by a lot of optimizers. Keenan Allen comes in at 7,600. A little bit pricey for Keenan Allen. He's normally right around that 6,800, 7,000 range. You're getting a boost in that spend because he's been balling out. And he's in that Chargers-Minnesota game, which is a perfect game script for fantasy. So if you have the capital, I'm okay with the Keenan Allen. But I would also understand if you felt he was a little too highly priced on this option. Uh, we'll skip Waddle because he's in concussion protocol. And if he's going to be out, that's a skip completely. Calvin Ridley comes in 7,200. Jacksonville is home against the Houston Texans. Generally, in these divisional matchups, you say familiarity between these teams leads to less points. However, you can't really pin familiarity on a team like the Houston Texans that has a brand new head coach and a brand new quarterback and a brand new key defensive person in Will Anderson and brand new uh, weapons in Dalton Schultz and Robert Woods and Nico Collins is finally emerging, although he's been there a year or two. I think that makes Ridley a completely fine option for this week. Him being at 7,200 means he's not a break-the-bank type player. And if you've seen Lawrence the last two weeks, it feels like he's looking for Ridley on nearly every play. And it feels like Ridley is running the fastest and crispest routes in the league. My only hesitation is what Houston did last year to quarterbacks is already happening again this year, where they're now opponent rank ninth. I think they were opponent ranked second against the quarterback last year. And it wasn't because they're actually a good defense. It's actually because they're so bad as a team that people don't need to run, I mean, to throw as much on them. So in that game, maybe we look back to ETN if he's healthy. Maybe we're head diving into Tank Bigsby if ETN misses any time. But I do think uh, Ridley makes for a safe play at 7,200. Chris Olave comes in at 7,000. He's going to be on a little bit of rest disadvantage given the fact that he just played on tonight's Monday night game. Should not affect him as a receiver too much. He's going against Green Bay. Does that mean he's paired up against Jair Alexander? If so, that's not a matchup that I want to play into. This Green Bay defense is actually really good, even though they allowed a ridiculous 13-point comeback against the Falcons in week two. Took the L on that one, Green Bay. Thank you. Um, Olave... He's an incredible receiver, but if he's going to be lined up with Jair Alexander, I think there's probably a few better options that we could go for. For example, I, I even think C.D. Lamb, Keenan Allen, possibly even Ridley are worth spending a few extra hundred bucks on. We will go through value options receiver on Thursday this week. At the tight end position, there's only eh, 
let's go, let's go through the top three. Uh, Kelsey is an obvious, obvious person this week. 7,200 is a little bit of a discount from what you normally get on Kelsey. I expect him to be full go this week, and I expect Mahomes to be an angry man on a mission this week. So the Mahomes-Kelsey stack, very, very viable cash game and GPP stack for this week. TJ Hawkinson comes in second highest tight end now. He's had a really strong start to the season. His volume in this offense is just super elite. He's a lock for about 8 to 10 looks on every contest. Uh, Again, in that game against the Chargers in the Dome in Minnesota with the point total of 54.5, simply playing into that matchup from a few ways is interesting. You could also reverse that and play Gerald Everett on the cheap side. But the concerning part about Gerald Everett, and we'll get into the value options on Thursday for tight end, but it seems like the Chargers are also using like Parham and that one other guy that they have at tight end too. So the, the Gerald Everett isn't getting the focal point of the workload. It means the focal point, but he's not all the workload for the tight end position. Hawkinson is all the workload for the tight end position in Minnesota. You could also go with Mark Andrews. I love Lamar this week. I think Andrews at 6,000 is, whew, that's probably too cheap for him. Uh, and going against a defense that might be playing Gardner Minshew on offense and not having the ball. I said, the reason why this matchup intrigues me so much is not because the Ravens are an eight-point favorite or seven and a half that already teased down to 1.5. Shout out a Wong teaser leg. It's also because they might just control the time of possession for 35 to 40 minutes of this game. And if that happens, Andrew will, Andrews will get consistent volume. Lastly, I'm not going to go over Evan Ingram and Cole Komet. They are top five options on this slate, but it feels like a violation of elite high-spend options on a slate breakdown to talk about Evan Ingram and Cole Komet. Those are value options, guys, that we will talk about later this week. From a defense perspective, Cowboys are the highest-spend option on the board for obvious reasons going against these Arizona Cardinals. Cardinals opponent ranked ninth against defenses. I wouldn't read too much into that. That's because they played the Giants and the Commanders, and the Giants sucked against them. They allowed 28 against the Car- uh, Cardinals. That's not going to happen. Uh, Cowboys, are. it's going to be hard, pretty hard to score 28 against the Cowboys all season long and get four touchdowns against them. They locked down, not even in the red zone, but even between the 20s. So I think Cowboys make for a great option. Oh, they're 4,400. I don't know if I said 4,000 blanket. 4,400. That actually is the highest priced defense of the year for obvious reasons. It probably will remain that because we have one of the best defenses against one of the worst offenses. I also think playing the Kansas City angle, even though, like, if you're playing Justin Fields, there's no way you could play the Chiefs. But if you're playing, and if you're playing Mahomes Kelsey, I wouldn't recommend playing the Chiefs because then you're hoping it's a shootout. But if you're avoiding all of that situation, just a general concept. You will hear me talk about it time and time again. You could go to my old show and listen to the old podcast. I said it a thousand times. When you are playing a defense against Justin Fields and the way he moves out of the pocket makes it very confusing for his offensive linemen to know which directions to protect. And for that reason, the play breaks down a lot and results in just easy sacks. So if you play the Chiefs against the Bears, I think you get a quick, easy four or five sacks in addition to potentially a low points against and potentially turnovers and potentially all that other stuff. So that what makes the, the team that's going against the Bears every week a probably viable option. Uh, I wouldn't play the Jaguars. I don't think the Jaguars' defense is good enough to justify going against 
I know the Texans' offense sucks, but I don't think the offense sucking is a reason to play the defense. I like the defense to be good as is. Those Ravens' defense, if you're not playing Lamar and Andrews, that makes for a nice option. If you are playing Lamar and Andrews, you you want that game to be as fast-moving and high-scoring as possible. Um, Patriots' defense going against the New York Jets and Zach Wilson. Patriots 0-2, but probably the best-looking 0-2 team in the league right now, if that's even a thing. They're going to MetLife to take on Zach Wilson in the most must-win game for the Patriots of the season, what will be for the entire season. You could always play into a fade, uh, Zach Wilson. The one thing that I've noticed about Wilson since Aaron Rodgers showed up, because it's very similar to the way Rodgers would operate, so it makes sense in the system of the offense and the way that he's being coached and the way that he practiced in this offense all offseason, is there's a lot of throwaways and there's a lot of scramble out of the pocket and then just toss it out of bounds which just means you're negating sacks and potential interception opportunities. So for that reason, uh, a little bit harder to trust the Patriots to put up those defensive stats, but the Patriots defensive line is so good. And the what we've heard about the Jets all offseason and in the early part of the season is that the offensive line is something to really be concerned about and they're really struggling and they're really limiting the protection for their quarterback. So if that's the case and the Patriots get home a lot, they're going to feast and be well worth it in this matchup. That brings us through the entire DFS slate for spend up options. We went through the top five at pretty much each position. Shout out the tight end wasteland that it is. Um, I will be back on Thursday with a DFS value options episode. I will be on YouTube live stream Tuesday September 19th. I don't know if this podcast is going to be posted before then. You could even go listen to my Tuesday show on YouTube. I will tweet it out. I will send it out on my Substack. So make sure you are signed up for the fiddlepicks.substack.com. Make sure you are a follower of the Fiddlepicks Twitter and X account. And you could go check out an old YouTube link if you didn't join for the live show and then join us in future live shows. But on that YouTube, I'll be breaking down the gambling angles, best bets, tracking line movement, talking about relevant key numbers, where the splits and the money are, all of those good stuff. This is how you bring home the bacon. You stick around with the fids. And I look forward to crushing it all season with you guys. So thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in to the first episode on my new podcast feed. And I hope you come back for many more. Deuces.